This morning, uh, we're once again looking at that, that, really that issue we find in Scripture too often. And it's this season, right? It's this season when we, we talk about fear. What do we do when, when we're afraid? You look at the box office or Netflix, the number one The number one movies at this time of year are always going to be horror films, right? And so it's a season we talk about fear. And when you look at somebody even like David's life, and we did this four years ago. We went back to 1 Samuel 30, and we we saw there how how fear had gripped David as two of his wives had, had been kidnapped and what he did right, but also what he did wrongly with that fear. So we're going to go back to another time in David's life when he's gripped by fear. And this, the one thing I will share that I shared four years ago is this. It's sad how quickly fear comes up in scriptures. I think it's verse 10 of chapter 3 of Genesis. As soon as sin becomes a part of, of human reality, as soon as we, we grab the, the fruit, right, and take things into our own hands, we are gripped by fear, and you just see it play out. You see it play out in Genesis 3, Genesis 4, through 1 Samuel. We're going to go back to 1 Samuel 21 today, and remembering 1 Samuel 30, it plays out in the Psalms, and on and on and on. It's fear. So what does the Bible have to say to us about fear? That word fear shows up in about 85% of the books of the Bible. It is a topic that permeates the concern of God for his people, and sadly, the reality of God's people. So what what can we find here uh, this morning? It's people who know we are not given a spirit of fear, but of power and love and discipline. So we're going to look at Psalm 34. This is a song about an experience pointing back to 1 Samuel uh, 21, and it's right for us to look to the Psalms. I understand Psalms is the biggest book in scripture, the collection of the 150 songs, but it also has the largest collection of the word fear, right and wrong. I think it's 250% more uses of the word fear in this book than anywhere else. So it's a right place for us to turn our attention. What do we fear? What is right fear? Who are we to fear? So Psalm 34. Now, when we look at what David has to say in Psalm 34, what he says is wonderful words for us. We find the imperative to the people of God out of experience, but also out of the leading of the Holy Spirit. Look at our verses here, verse 9 and verse 11. This constant reminder from Scripture, fear God, ye saints. Verse 11, be taught the fear of God. Now, Now, here's some good reminders for us, too, in the midst of that, because fear comes to all of us, but we get this great reminder, as our choir beautifully just sang for us, what does God do for us in in the midst of those times when we're gripped by fear? Verse 4, verse 7, our God rescues. And then verse 7 says and adds that the angel of the Lord actually encamps around those who rightly fear the Lord. We're not alone in this. Not only is he going to say later that God is near the brokenhearted, but you almost see, as we've been talking about in one of our Sunday schools, uh, Matt Ayers has been teaching us about spiritual warfare, and that's up on our YouTube channel. I'm going to encourage you to, to go to that. The reality is, when we are going through it, God is with us. I was recently with somebody who had, there's no way around it, it was spiritual warfare. You may tell you what happened? I really can't remember. 
And it was scary, crazy stuff. It was scary, crazy stuff from somebody in our community. And I was recently with them. And they had told me this a couple years ago. And then recently we were just talking about it and even praying about it recently. And it was, I just remember it was, you know what I remember? I remember what David remembers. I remember that God is a deliverer. I remember that God is good. That God was present and is present. We're not going to highlight and, and, and celebrate the wild things around us. It's right for us to be mindful about them. But what David does here is he says, it's just like God to show up. In those places where we're struggling, in those places where fear will, will make us want to take control, take things into our own hands, God will show up. So fear him because he encamps around you. Now, this psalm, and you can probably see it in your Bible, it points us back. So if you don't mind going, let's go back to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 21. It's pointing us back to a time in David's life. Just like 1 Samuel 30, when his wives has been taken and fear gripped him, we remember this story here. David's fleeing Saul. He ends up at Gath. And when he gets to there, the servants remind the king there, the leader there, oh, they... They sing songs about this guy. They sing songs about him that he slays a ton. Forget what Saul does. It's just a tent. Yes, Saul, the big guy you've heard about, the king. No, this warrior kills 10 times more people than big Saul. And so David gets that. And by the way, not only do they say it, but if you go back and read a little bit earlier, David that day, Earlier that day, when he's at Nob, talking to the priest, he actually gets the sword of Goliath. So when he walks into that room, not only does he hear what they say about how much of a killer he is, but he's packing heat. He's actually got the sword of Goliath probably with him when this is said about him in this room where he's alone and they're saying, it's be like if there's this rumor going around that Thor has died, some of y'all who watch Marvel, and all of a sudden you walk to the, to, into a new city and you got the hammer on your side of Thor, they're going to assume you got him and you're a, you're a tough person. That's what's just been claimed. And look at verse 12. These words get into the heart of David. I've said before in other sermons, uh, we can feel fear, but it may not, it may be false. Ever since Genesis 3, our feelings are broken. There are sometimes we rightly feel what we ought to feel, but so often sometimes we feel happy when we should not feel happy. There are times when we feel sad that we really shouldn't be sad. There are times where we can be fearful where we shouldn't be fearful. My church somehow, when I grew up, allowed us to actually have a haunted house, and it was pretty wild. So we had the upstairs of the entire education building, and my room, I was the evil scientist, and I did all these crazy things where I'd, you know, have grapes that were to be eyeballs, and you put your hands, you know, you couldn't see, and you'd reach in and touch it, and I did all these crazy things. Well, down the hall to the right was David Harris. It was the David Harris room. And if you ever met David, you'll never forget meeting David because David's about 6'5", 6'6", about 3'30", a mountain of a man. And we just brought as many big branches as we could into this one Sunday school room, made it out to be the woods, right? We hit him in the back corner, and while the kids were walking through that room, cut the lights, 
hit the strobe, he had taken the chain off, and he just yanked the chainsaw, right? He's got this hockey mask on, right? The strobe light, and kids just go crazy, right? And then they go out of the room. Well, here's the deal. Everybody in our youth group knew who David was. So when you're in there, you're not, you're not scared because it's, it's David, and you're walking them through. Well, I won't say her name because she lives in town, but somebody in our youth group knew it was David. And she's leading the tour. And he just starts coming at her. And she runs into the corner. So he runs at her. She runs out the hallway. He goes out the hallway after her with the chainsaw. Now, listen, I'm from South Jackson. I thought she'd pull a prison shank or something out, you know, to, to go at Dave. But she did probably, which is the best defense if you're ever in trouble. She screamed at the top of her lungs and projectile vomited. So anyway... <laughs> If you're ever in a corner, you got to get out. She knew it was David. And, and it, got, it got to her to the point that it was physically expressed. Feelings aren't always right. Feelings aren't always right. These servants, though, this is not a feeling thing for David. These servants say what they say, and it goes beyond an emotional reaction it goes down deep, and David knows, I'm in trouble. I really could be in trouble here. Now, maybe his imagination gets the best of him, but, but they know what I've done, whether it's the sword, whether it's the rumor that I've killed tens of thousands. They know what I've done, and so what do you do when you're alone? What do you do when you're nervous? What do you do when, when something, your life even may be at stake? Well, we're going to go to Psalm 34 and see what to do, but he doesn't do it here. Look at verse 13. He acts insane. He scribbles on their doors to show he's insane. And again, our passage today says that those who fear the Lord, their, their faces are radiant. But what happens in 1 Samuel 21 is saliva goes down the beard of David as he feigns being insane. Now, this is David, who again has already been anointed for leadership. He's already anointed by God to be the next king. This is David, who's already seen God show up, and he's already killed Goliath. But even after that moment, he wrestles with fear, and it gets the better of him. Just like Saul, when he makes his confession in uh, 1 Samuel 15, 1 Samuel 15, he says, it's the people, I feared the people, and what he does after drive, drives him to sin. Now this, this king apparently, they, he had seen enough of that and he lets David leave. But it's a reminder to us, and David succeeds because he lets fear get the better of him. And there are going to be times where, yeah, maybe you go to that because whenever I act crazy, people leave me alone. When I get frenetic and bossy, people leave me alone. Or when I try to grasp things and control things, it works for a season. Whenever I fear and, 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 and I hide and I avoid people in situation, I get through. But as our choir asked us today in the, in the, in the or really affirmed us today in their anthem, who, who do we trust? That's really the, the question Dr. John Oswalt would say of the Old Testament. Who is it that you trust. Your ways to get you through, are you trusting in the Lord? In our psalm today, we can go back there. In our psalm today, Psalm 34, verse 4, God will answer. 
verses 9 through 10. God will supply. You will not be in want. Verse 18. God will be near the brokenhearted and the crushed. David does not live into that in 1 Samuel 21. But what he's trying to say to you is what Rosemary played for this this morning. There is a foundation that is firm, that is set before you. You can bank on who God is, his goodness, his providence, his provision, his nearness when you and I go through fear, which apparently comes to, if you read the whole psalm, it comes to all of us. So in Psalm 34, we see a right call to biblical fear and to right fear, a fear of the Lord, not not hiding, not controlling, but a right reverence and a fear and awe before uh, the Lord. It's a great reminder to us too, and that's why it's good to go to Psalm 34 because David in that experience lost it, but now he's, now he's giving us this word for you and I to meditate on. One of the great ways that you and I stay close to God and don't let our fears get the best of us is to meditate upon his word. Whether it's this Psalm 47, 48, 99, 111, 145, they're all great resources, songs and prayers for us to trust the Lord when, when fear gets us. A good reminder for us to be still and to know. In a busy, just crazy-paced life, when we're just trying to do what we can for the Lord in the speed of the life that we have, if we don't take time to meditate on His Word, we're going to miss Him. and We're going to let the chaos get our attention, and we're going to either hide or try to control. But what you see David here is giving us a word that we need to meditate on to fear rightly the Lord. And listen. When there is right fear, look at, look at our passage at verse 1. There's deep worship. I mean, right from the beginning, our choir said, sing to the Lord. And that's what, we're, that's what you see here. When we, are, when we rightly fear the Lord, there is a deep worship in the people of God. Worship is the great remedy for misplaced fear. When you and I look at our lives and all the things that are on us, financially, relationally, health, all those things that are on us, they come to all of us. Worship is the great remedy for, for turning our awe and reverence to God and getting it off of those things. If you go to Job 1, don't, you don't do that now, but if you want to go back and look, the very first assault by Satan on Job's life, where he pretty much took almost everything from Job, Satan did. And he's pretty much lost everything. Do you remember what Job immediately does? It's the same response to David at the loss of a child. What's his response? worship he's on his face at that great loss in worship worship is 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 again to be the right response when there's real hurts and real fear it's worship i heard my wife giving testimony this weekend of our seasons of faith we had a great great crowd for that event our women's event and great testimonies but talking about how one of one of the one of the people speaking talked about the importance and place of worship in their life. Worship is always a result of right fear. But it's more than just worship. Go down to verses 13 and, and 14. There's some difficult verses here because most of us, as the book of James would say, most of us wrestle with the things that we say. So not only is worship to be a result of right fear, but also it's obedience. It's obedience in every area of life. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and 
pursue it. If we really fear, we obey, even, even with what we say, but especially with what we do. Joshua 4.18, he says, you all may have your hearts melting with fear right now, but not me. I will follow the Lord God fully. Fear comes to everybody. Joseph, Joshua saw that, excuse me, Joshua 14.8. It comes to Job. If you go to the second assault on Job, Job chapter 2, verse 3, it says, this is God speaking of Job, Job fears me. But, but the bookends of that statement isn't just that he has awe in his life, that he worships me, that, he's, that he has reverence for me, but the bookends, the front and the back of that statement, he's blameless and upright and he turns away from evil. And it's even evil, evil with his lips. His wife has basically said, sin with your lips. Just curse God and die. But when you get to, to Job's life, he lives out verses 13 and 14 from our passage that in verse 10 of Job 2, he says, or it says of Job, in all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. I was at a meeting in the last year or so with a bunch of pastors and somebody said something in that meeting that would not be orthodox doctrine of how we interpret things. But even though we were there with preachers, everybody's fearful to say anything about it. We all just shut our mouths. We let it get said. No, matter of fact, I think a lot of people agreed with it, but nobody said anything about it. And everybody just left. And I remember walking out of that, just almost feeling the nudging of the Spirit, not saying anything, not saying anything. Well, I'm going to blame somebody else. Well, somebody else said something. And we were the only two left, said, can you believe what was said? And I said, well, I just, that's, that's not proper. It's not the way we do biblical interpretation. That's not, that's not the way that should be done. And then that person walked out of the bathroom. They were still there. Wesley would call that evil speaking preacher to speak about something. Now, I wasn't speaking about the person. I was talking about, how, doesn't matter. Without them in my presence, although they were in my presence, shame on me. Uh, we can be so quick. To, if we don't have awe and reverence for God, we'll be lax and loose with our lips. It always ought to cause right reverence in how we not only speak, but I love this in verse 15, 14. It's not just, sometimes we can almost look at Christianity. It's like, uh, uh, remember that game you played as a kid, you know, don't step on a crack, you, you, you break your mama's back, right, that thing? And so it's like Christianity just becomes, I don't want to break that rule or break that rule or break that rule, and I just want to avoid sin. It's more than that. It's what we do. It's not just what we avoid. It's what we do. And what does he say here to do? Do good. Seek peace. Actually pursue it. Right fear of God ought to produce a life, a life of worship, and a life of radical obedience. Now listen, if we misplace fear, very quickly as we close, if we misplace fear, if we fear others, fear what might happen, uh, uh, it will paralyze us, it'll paralyze our performance, it'll make us take things into our own hands. And listen, drop down to 19. We didn't read it today, but this is just reality. I don't have to tell you that stuff happens in life. But verse 19, David admits this, many are the afflictions of the righteous. It doesn't mean God isn't good. It doesn't mean God isn't present. It doesn't mean God isn't providential uh, uh, or, or give provision. And so when those things come, 
And if we, and I don't have time to go through all the examples of, of people who, who misplace their fear or the sources of that, but I want to look at one result as we close. Go back to verse 5. If we're fearing people or fearing things, sadly, this, this can just come into our life so easily. I think about my messing up with what I said. And by the way, within the hour, I was, on, I was talking with my accountability partner. Here's what I said. I was open my dumb mouth. Here's what I said. But, but often the temptation is, if there has been something in our lives where we've taken control or we haven't listened to God or we've spoken when we shouldn't speak, we just kind of hide from that. And, and not only do we hide from it, we let the shame of that weight us down. But verse 5 says their faces were radiant and they were not ashamed. Going down to verse 20, the end of this passage, just like Romans, there's no condemnation. Paul would say to the church, if you're in Christ Jesus, there is no more condemnation. Shame is heavy. Going back to that haunted house, just you do one thing and it's just, it's on you forever. Every time we talk about that girl, we talk about that hallway experience with David. But we also talk about what happened in the room across that room. And his parents are in our church, so I'm not going to say who did it. Unless you give me $5 afterwards. Come see me after. <laughs> but uh, they were supposed to have dry ice for that room. Well, he didn't get it. So last minute he called a buddy instead of dry ice for the room. He called his buddy who was in the National Guard, and he got a National Guard pink smoke bomb. Yeah, we'll just put it in this garbage can, put the lid on it, and we'll control how much smoke comes out. <laughs> Within three minutes, we're all evacuating the top stairs of the education building with, you know, putting our shirts, and you just see the pink on our t-shirts trying to breathe. I had to move the whole haunted house to another part of the building because he said, oh yeah, it's not it's dry ice, smoke bomb, it'll be the same. And he spent the next several weeks repainting the entire education building. To the point that when they demolished the education building about two years ago at Lovelwood United Methodist Church out on Terry Road, they said that when it fell down, you could still see a pink cloud just kind of, <laughs> just hovered. We can't talk about this kid for the rest of his life. I saw him a couple years ago over where Biagi's was. We had lunch together. We're still talking about that time you brought a smoke bomb. And that's, that's what... That's what the devil wants for you. Just be buried in your shame. Don't be real with anybody. Just hide in it and grovel. Just Maybe the Lord will forgive you, but just stay there buried. And, and the Lord says, if, if, if we'll come clean, create a new, new heart, a new spirit, a clean heart, David says in Psalm 51. He says it here, your face can shine again. You don't have to be buried in that shame. I think... One of the great helps for David is he actually got real with some people. He let Jonathan speak into his life. He let Samuel speak into his life. He let Nathan call him out on his sin. When he's unhealthy, more importantly, when he falls for sin, it's because he's all alone. At this event in 1 Samuel 20, what are you doing? Or even Nob said, what are you doing here all alone? When he gets alone, he lets his fears get the best of him and shame just crushes his life. We don't have to hide. We can be real with brothers and sisters in Christ and not let shame hold us down. I like what Celebrate Recovery says. You're only as, what's, what's the phrase? You're only as sick as your secrets. 
Yeah, to find another brother or sister in Christ. Uh, since the garden, shame has just kept us paralyzed, kept, kept us hiding and covering up. And what the Lord wants to come and do in your life and my life is to forgive and to free. And sometimes that takes another brother and sister in Christ to help us with that. What about you this morning? Who do you, has fear gripped you? Do you need to confess that today to the Lord? Who are you trusting? And all of us, verse 22 says it, 18 to 20, we all go through it. Who are you trusting? Do you and I need to let go of control? How is it you and I need to deepen in our worship, deepen in our obedience because we love and serve the Lord God? Our closing hymn is 368. That's where our hope is. My hope is built on nothing less. Let's stand together.